Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of your favorite sports podcast here in the greatest time that this city has ever felt. Possibly the greatest podcast ever. Uh, each week keeps getting better for us. It's Teen It Up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor, as always, uh, with my co-host, Vladdy. What's going on, man? Um, how are you feeling on this fine? Uh, it's a hangover Monday. You know, people don't usually go out. I didn't drink at all on Sunday. Uh, but I, I had the hangover yesterday. Yeah, um, obviously I feel great. We've hit a we've hit an unprecedented uh, situation in our lifetime and most people's lifetimes that are that support football in and around the city and around the state. Um, I actually have an int- uh, maybe a depressing not not depressing but like a, a different take on it. I'll get to it when we actually talk about the Lions, but feel good. Um, Short week of work, can never complain about those, mm. and not much else, honestly. So I'll turn it over to you. I don't know if you'll have much much to say, but no, I don't. I don't have anything at all to add to that. My life is okay. Uh, my car seems to be falling apart by the day. Something what happened this time? Happening. My engine light turned on this morning, so now okay. I got to take it into the shop. Um, Jesus, how old that's you t- that's. Uh, it's just under a hundred thousand miles now. Oh my god! Uh, it's about six years old. If, um, if if you want to feel better, um, the driver's side door of my car is also fucked up right now. The latch of the door handle on the outside doesn't work. So for mm-hmm. me to open my car door, I have to go to the other side from the passenger, reach across, open it, walk back <laughs> across every single time I want to get in and out of my car. So I, hopefully that make hopefully my misery gives you a little bit of company. We know those oh, that two does, love each other. Yeah, that does that does make me uh, <laughs> that makes me feel better. Uh, yeah, it's it's Petunia's in a race for will she get to a hundred thousand miles at this point? She's got like four thousand more miles to go. So hopefully she gets there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into the sports. Uh, obviously, football's main topic. But we'll, we start, as always, there's Michigan State basketball. The first 2-0 week or undefeated week we've really had of covering this team for this season. Um, we'll start with Minnesota. Take it away. Yeah, I I, uh, I watched most of this game, but not all of it. I was kind of in class for a good chunk of it, but I watched it during class. Thanks for coming. Professional responsibility. Uh, anyways. I don't know. It was a weird one because Minnesota was in it at all times. They got pulled away at the end with the free throws to make it a 10-point game. I didn't think it was a bad effort at all from State, though. They didn't really turn the ball over. Minnesota turned the ball over a lot. Uh, something that we'll get to in my overall take, I think Moikal was good in this game. He was good at yesterday. Uh, I'd argue that he has kind of turned into the best when he's consistent, and he has been for the past three games now basically since he put up that stinker uh against northwestern two weeks ago where he had zero points on like 10 shots in 30 Mm -hmm. minutes um he's been arguably the best player on the floor for state all around uh he can guard like a two through a five position uh when he's scoring inside and providing the only offense inside the paint it gives us some kind of a threat down there uh, obviously it takes him three hours to shoot a three pointer, which needs to, it needs to be changed. It's a little bit of the yips at this point. You even see it on his, his free throw form right now. Um, 
but I like what he's given us the last week. He was good this past week in both games. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I have for the Minnesota game. Obviously, you were at it, so you might have more to add on that. Yeah, so from the actual game itself, I have no idea how Minnesota stayed close to us as long as they did. Um, I think I remember looking at the final stats. They had 19 turnovers. We had four. When you're doing that as the home team, I, I, I don't know how you haven't pulled away. I, if I remember correctly, there was a lot of complaining in the, amongst the, the crowd about free throws not going in. Kind of one of the two things that Tom Izzo teams are known for, turnovers and can't shoot a free throw. Yeah. At least they got the turnovers part right uh, in that game because it could have cost them. Um, I guess the other thing I'll say is it was just great to be back. Uh, see the zone again. Uh, didn't really have a lot of time to spend around campus. We we got into East Lansing about basically a couple minutes before tip off, then turned around, got dinner at Pancheros, and left. Uh, not not like we saw anything there. But the one thing I did want to highlight was. I don't think it was Max Christie's brother. It was one of the other kind of guards on that Minnesota team that had an air ball. And then for the next 15 in-game minutes, not, oh, my God, the crowd gets bored after chanting air ball three or four possessions down the floor. This was nonstop for half an hour. He Every time he touched the ball, it, he, he got the air ball chance. As soon as he, got, he gave it up, they'd go back into the, oh, bouncing up and down. As soon as he touched it again, right into airball chance. It was yeah. amazing to see. And I just kind of wonder what it would be like if you're a player at, a, at like kind of one of those bigger arenas where you do have the hostile crowd, what it would be like to be on an airball chant and airball a second one. Because mm. you know that's like the, the whole bullying for a reaction and it gets worse and worse in the snowball effect. Right. I'd love to see it sometime. But uh, You brought up Cam Christie. I think it's Cam. Uh, was there any reaction to him, to him and, you know, the, obviously his brother played here for a year? Every time he touched the ball, or not every time he touched the ball, a couple times when they introduced him and anytime there was a foul or something, just the, the, the little chance of, oh, Max is better came out, but yeah. nothing really out of the ordinary, I think. Uh, I know he wasn't nearly as, he was a, like, he was a top one ESPN 100 recruit. I think he was like in the nineties. So he's barely that. So nowhere near the prospect max was. Yes. Um, but my theory and what I've heard kind of in non-traditional sources, I'll say, uh, was that there was a sour, like the relationship with between max and Izzo was never good. That, uh, he was never recruited nor ever, um, was even considered Michigan state as an option in his recruiting process because of that. Interesting. Um, yeah, sure. I, I I don't know what sources you got, what kind of back pages and what kind of wins you've been listening to, but kudos to you, man. You you got the in. Inside source. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously Sunday, uh, yesterday before the big Lions game, we got a win against Maryland. It was nice to win on the road. It was a great first half. They shot the lights out. Um, I will say this before I get into the bad is that's a game that this team with these guys on the roster the past couple of years have traditionally lost on the road. Uh, you give up the big lead and the second half is mostly Maryland. That's a game they've lost. So it was nice that they were able to get a win and you know, down the stretch, pull it out after it being kind of back and forth after blowing a 12 point lead at half. Uh, with that said, it was another classic for about 14 minutes of that second half uh, where you look and the ball gets stuck 
and the half court is so slow that you mentioned it. They get to about eight seconds before they start anything. It's just a bunch of ring around the rosies at the top with the ball, basically. Um, and you just kind of feel like the ball gets stuck and you don't know who's going to score the next point. You don't trust anyone on the floor to score it. Uh, it's going to require some crazy shot, which doesn't fall when you're missing a lot of them. So, and also you can't get two points out of the five position and continuously win games. Uh, Matty Sissoko was in foul trouble for most of this one. He had zero points. Carson Cooper, two points. Uh, Jackson Kohler also had a basket, so four points. You can't get four points out of that position. I know it's kind of a weekly tradition of me bashing the bigs for Michigan State, but I'm going to say it again. Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch as much as this game as I did the Minnesota game, but I was driving for the first half, and then second half was just kind of in and out. Um, yeah, you mentioned the the stagnated half-court offense. I like to call it the washing machine where they run the little four guys like five feet behind the three-point line and just pass it off to each other yeah. without trying anything. That was uh, my that, ring around the rosy. That yep. was my, my – yep. yeah, I, I I hate seeing that. And then you mentioned the it, it turns into give it to A.J. Hogard and let him drive or give it to Tyson Walker and let him pull up. Um, right. Yeah, that's not going to get it done against the better teams. Uh, obviously, good that they got that win. Good that we can sit here and say 2-0 and and good that we can continue to push forward. We mentioned it last week or the week before where – they're entering the favorable stretch of the season. Stack these W's, build some momentum, and maybe start to get back into the heads of your opponents of, wait a minute, this is Michigan State basketball, not, oh, we can get at these guys. Yeah. And you get three, you now get three, four full rest days, which is rare in the Big Ten schedule before you play. Uh, probably the toughest Big Ten game they've had so far at Madison against a good Wisconsin team. So that's yeah. kind of the Michigan State preview for this one. Um, we'll only have the one game to talk about next week. That'll be that'll be fun. Uh, but anyways, let's get into the big event, uh, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Again, do you want to go in order? Do you want to start with the Lions? Do you want to end with the Lions? I say we just go in order and then preview the two games, probably in order as well. I'll just okay. kind of quickly point out, though, uh, from the coaching carousel that we talked about last week, Antonio Pierce was hired. Um, not really a shock. You had the players rallying for him. You had Max Crosby going so far to publicly, not want to say hold the franchise hostage, but just state, if you don't bring this guy back, I will reconsider my options. So I guess that's good for Antonio Pierce that the players believed him that much. They finished with a good record and maybe to have something going for the future, but not much more there. Let's actually get into the games. First one, Ravens-Texans. I think this was kind of... I don't want to be too critical here of this young Texans team because them, like the Packers, were just kind of playing with house money. They were one of those teams that's happy to be there. Um, right. But it's just the difference in the class and the experience between those two teams. Rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, John Harbaugh, who I think at this point is the longest tenured uh, head coach in football with this current team. Tom one. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it was the year the before. Second. Okay, yeah. 17-year head coach, whatever whatever it might be, versus D'Amico Ryans, as, who, hasn't, who just finished his first year. And then Lamar Jackson, who as much as we criticize him for in the playoffs, at least has been there before. And yeah. C.J. Stroud, who is making a second career start. 
the other thing that changed and not that the, not that this should have been a shock was the was kind of the Texans having to play a road game and once again the experience showed out they had seven pre-snap penalties in the first three quarters alone. yeah they could not hear what CJ Stroud was saying there was delay of games it was it, it it's not it's not an indictment this is just what happened couldn't yep. really run the ball for shit they were averaging less than a yard per carry until Singletary broke out that 17 yard run and even still, those stats did not look very appealing. They got the special teams touchdown to even stay in the game in the first half. I mean, right. the, just the, the offense could do nothing. It and that's, again, it's not a bad thing. You're playing what was the best team in football uh, this season. What are you gonna do? Uh, the I, I would say the offensive line didn't necessarily get Stroud killed. Yeah, I know we highlighted that against the the Browns, how they did so so well. But it, he wasn't exactly in a clean pocket. There was a couple times where he's scrambling and kind of making some off balance throws. But that means- I test that mostly the the Ravens secondary is unbelievable. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton's a menace. He's a menace. They got guys on all three levels. I know it's a big big football guy term to say, but they really <laughs> do. Uh, and that kind of shows. I don't, I don't know. It kind of all buys into your point with the pressure. The pressure is great. The coverage is great. Good pressure is going to help the coverage. Good coverage is going to help the pressure. So, yeah. And I guess the, the last thing I really, I really have to say is the the Lamar Jackson thing, where he was kind of under a lot of pressure this season of hey, you can't keep flaming out in the playoffs. Yeah. You can't keep flaming out plus. And he was spectacular. Was I think it was. Um, I forgot the exact stat, but multiple rushing touchdowns, multiple passing touchdowns. That doesn't happen very often for anybody. Um, it was very accurate. But again, we we he was expected to do that. He was playing an inferior team, and so his measuring stick will be next weekend, and that's the measuring stick that Josh Allen fame. Of course. Yeah, I, I guess Saturday made me think about like why I even ha- do this. Like, Why do I have a sports podcast? Like with you because i don't know shit because i literally the complete opposite of what i said last week for these two games happened uh i said that i thought the texans were gonna had a little magic and that the um i guess lackluster performances of the past with lamar jackson would um equate to a close game and that the 49ers were gonna flex their muscles on the packers and i was just dead wrong dead opposite um that's kind of why I've been a mush gambling. So if you have my draft kinks, don't look at it because it's rough. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. This was kind of the flex the muscles game for the Ravens. And it's, yeah. it's really easy for me to dumb fan brain say, wow, they look how good they look. They look like the best team left. Yada, yada, yada. Obviously we're going to preview their game, but you know, it's, it's, it's one game against, like you said, a rookie quarterback in a, hostile environment it's going to be nice it's going to be nice and different well it's going to be nice for the ravens to have home field advantage again because that place was loud as shit and wow now i'm kind of doing a preview but he's they're going to get a, a an opponent here next week that is not going to be phased to nearly the same extent that the texans were they looked a little beer and headlights in all portions of this game they kind of looked like the browns did last week like the spotlight just kind of got to them Yep. Um, but if you're the Texans, it's nothing to hang your heads on. You mentioned it. You were playing with the house's money at this point, rookie quarterback. Uh, you only won three games last year to turn that around and win 10 and go to a playoff game, win a playoff game, um, and then go on the road and lose is nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, 
it was a I, have you seen all this the drama with the sp2 test stuff that now they're they basically came out and said that it was a false report that cj stroud did so bad on that test remember that was kind of the the blemish was, on yeah. cj stroud um and now they came out and said that that was a false report but now they got caught making planting that fake story of saying that it was a false report in the first place. So they're in deep shit. That was a loss for them, not only the Texans. I'm sure the guys at that company were just kind of rooting against Stroud all year long. Every win just were like, wow, something else is going to happen here. Or new, some new test is going to happen here because he's awesome. One of the better rookie seasons ever. Uh, I think that's we can firmly say that. Maybe not the best ever, but one of the best ever. Um so, yeah, that's my Texans don't feel bad rant. Um, let's get into the second game, the night game. Uh, probably the best. Uh, I, I'd actually argue it, it was just as good as the Bills Chiefs, if not better for me. It was kind of the same, similar ending. But, uh, yeah, 24-21, 49ers survive. Three and a half quarters of Brock Purdy playing like Mr. Irrelevant. Didn't matter. Jordan Love throws the bad pick. Two bad picks in the second half. They missed the field goal. That's the difference. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think it goes more than just, oh, they missed a field goal because San Francisco also missed a field goal. I know it was blocked versus yeah. missed, but they didn't make their field goal. So I think it's a little bit more than that. Um, I, 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 I think I probably agree with you. This was a sensational game right up there with Bill's Chiefs. And I think the points were maybe scored in a different way than Bill's Chiefs were, and that's why people might be a little bit more kind of remembering of the, of that one. But we'll talk about that later. Um, obviously, the the comparison that I drew was kind of the Michigan-Washington um, national title game, where Green Bay is going to sit there and wonder, how did we not win this? They were going to believe that they had every right to do so. And... It, it was it was just a series of unfortunate events. Um, I'll start with Jordan Love. For most of the game, he did look phenomenal. And I I understand how stupid that last interception was. It's 50 seconds left. You're at the, what is it, 35-yard line. You need 20 yards to get to give yourself a chance. And he's out there throwing some cross-body suicide pass, which even if it doesn't get intercepted, he probably gets his receiver knocked out at best. <laughs> So I just I, he's young. It's same thing we just said about the Texans. It's not an indictment. It's one of those things where he'll learn from it. He, I mean, he learned from it right away. He was like in his pro game presser. He's like, look, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I shouldn't throw that. I should run a little bit further and just get rid of it. Not much there. Um, credit to Aaron Jones. I thought they were able to move the ball much more than I thought they could on that yeah. defense. And it's kind of a testament to just how good Aaron Jones really is. And he always goes under the radar whenever we talk about those best running backs in football, just because I feel like he's usually in and out with some injuries. And then obviously A.J. Dillon coming in and stealing touches from him the last four years didn't help. I mean, defense did a good job making Purdy uncomfortable. I remember uh, when we were watching this game with some friends, I kind of we kind of talked about how Purdy, I don't want to say looks like Goff in there because it's not the same thing, but he looks kind of he gets happy feet in the in in the pocket if you if he you kind of give any form of pressure to him and he starts jumping around he doesn't maybe have the best 
knowledge on how to utilize the space in the pocket to his advantage the way some of the better quarterbacks do. And they were able to, you mentioned, they were able to get at him and make him look like Mr. Irrelevant for a long time. And then obviously on the flip side, Christian McCaffrey is, I, I, said it, I think I said it a month ago, he's the most talented running back I've ever seen. Um, and it's just, just, what do you do? How do you tackle this man? Can't. Uh, one thing I'll also say about the quarterbacks that Brock Purdy is um, Jordan Love has a great arm, and he does this thing where he makes this, like, off-balance, like, back foot throw. He made the one insane one on the run uh, in the second half. It was, like, on the run, back foot, delivers just, like, a dime right on the money, and he's, so he's like, more accurate with that throw than, like, when he actually steps up in the pocket. Brock mm-hmm. Purdy, you kind of notice he can't get away with making those plays because he's – he has, I don't want to say he's a bad arm. He's just a very, very average arm strength. It's just when you watch those two play each other, and then like I watched like Josh Allen throw the balls last night, it's just not the same ball. So that that's my quarterback observation of the game. Um, yeah, name-wise, 49ers, they got dudes on defense. Um, and you mentioned how great Aaron Jones is. They cannot stop the run, and we'll get into a preview about it, but it's kind of been an underlying thing for them this year. Uh, they don't really have – haven't had to necessarily um, do it because they're mostly ahead in in games they play, so teams aren't running against them. Uh, but it is kind of a weakness for them moving forward. Uh, and it just – it like I said with the Ravens, where I'm trying not to overreact to – the Ravens looking like the best team in the world. I'm also not going to try and overreact to the 49ers, you know, getting outplayed by uh, what I would consider an inferior opponent on paper in the Green Bay Packers. So that's my uh, short take on this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much more to add. Well, let's get to the big one, the one everyone was invested in. Um, the, I'll just kind of start real quickly where I said earlier as happy as I am that we're still playing football, the fact that it was a game that we were expected to win kind of made it less enjoyable for me because I was spending the entire game stressing. Because it's kind of like, you cannot lose to Baker Mayfield at home. Like, you are expected to win that game. And that's where, obviously, I'm thrilled that we won. But it just made it a little bit less satisfying that it was a game that you should have won. I don't know if that, like makes me sound like a bum who's just trying to find ways to not be incredibly happy for what's going on. No, because I can do you one worse and how I've been thinking on this playoff run is I can't get the thought out of my mind with how much like this, this is so, this is how, you know, I'm just such a glass half empty person is uh, how behind the city has been and how much of a big deal it is to people that like, I've never heard talk about football Uh, like my tax professor today talking about the Lions. Like, I would have never expected that. Um, But with that said, it makes me realize how depressing this franchise has been forever, that this is such a big deal for us and how we're America's team and we're like, everyone's little, oh, look at the cute little Lions making a run. That part of me just like, like has, uh, that thought has not allowed has not allowed me to maybe enjoy the past two weeks as much as I should have. Uh, in that it's like this, like, well, the Chiefs have done this the last six years. Like, 
act like you've been there before, but like you can't because they haven't. So yeah, that's, I, that's, I, my, that's my brain. You, you can only play who's in front of you in the playoffs. And if you go all the way back to what our thought processes were at the beginning of the season, I think we were both kind of in the same mindset of the Lions are somewhere around an 11 win team. They can go and win their first playoff game. And I think we at, at that point we expected we'd lose the second one to one of those big teams. The Packers did us a favor. We didn't have to go play one of the big teams. Right. And now we're still playing football. And right. I should be much happier about it. But just because we didn't have the satisfaction of beating those big teams, it makes it less sweet to me. And again, makes probably makes me sound like a bum and a loser. But that's just how I feel. Um, well, you're going to get your chance next week. Yeah. To get to, to talk about the game specifically, it was incredibly weird to me because Ben Johnson, in my opinion, had one of the worst play calling halves I've ever seen. That first half was pathetic. With this just, is so odd. Even the end of the game, it worked, but like throwing the ball at the end of the game too to kind of run out the clock. I know they were kind of confident in like these routes, a lot of them to Amon Ra and Reynolds with these short routes for golf and they were hitting them and the clock moved down and they got it. But it was just all around weird. I agree. Continue. You know, I mean, I think I remember looking at the statistics. There was, we had eight rushing attempts in the first half for a team that's predicated on the run. You cannot do that. Now I understand Vita Vea sensational at stopping the run, but you have to at least try. You can't just say, Oh, well, he's good at stopping the run against other teams. So we're not even going to try ourselves. You, they didn't try. And if you remember, if you look back at it, the only touchdown we scored was off that stupid volleyball interception where we took over on their side of the field. Yeah. So the first half was just this like ugly game. Honestly, a, a decent part of the third quarter was as well. And then obviously the lid came off and the touchdowns came flying in. Um, I want to take exception to that. Um, the last drive of the first half as well. Third and one at midfield with a minute 40 left. We're up 10 to three. And instead of running the ball twice, as always, Ben Johnson, as as I just complained, Ben Johnson comes out there, runs some stupid pass, pass play. Jared Goff gets sacked. The Bucks are able to stop the clock. The Bucks force a punt and walk down the field during the Cam Sutton show, which that, that right there was a nice... 10 to 14 point swing should you get that first down or at the very least a seven point swing in the sense that the Buccaneers with 20 seconds left are not going down the field the way they can with a minute so back to the Ben Johnson thing I mean second half again offense gets better play calling got a little bit more routine they started to lean on the game and you saw Gibbs start to break stuff off Montgomery, once their defense starts tiring out, he starts making his two-yard runs turn into six-yard runs, and it got a little better. Except for, once again, second and goal at the two, and we start throwing the ball. And then on fourth and goal at the one, we've got Craig Reynolds on the field. It worked, but I don't – I cannot fathom you're a third-string running back on a fourth and goal play in the playoffs. That, to me, is malpractice. I loved it. I loved it. They look, came out, Skipper comes out, everyone goes crazy, he reports, he looks like they're going to do another one of these cutesy dootsy go to the lineman <laughs> type plays. And who do you, who's in the backfield, the third string running back, somebody not named Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery? No one in the world thought the ball was going to him. And I, it did, and it worked. That's That was my perspective on it. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's the decoy of, oh, you bring on this guy that you don't expect to run. But for me, it's if you're going to run it, 
don't necessarily try and hide it. Just come out there and say, this is my strength. I think I'm better than you because you should think you're better than the Buccaneers. Yeah. To get to the defense's perspective, they still scare me because, once again, they made it so the offense has to score 30-plus points to win a game. And that's great when you're at home and you have advantages. And we'll talk about the disadvantages of playing on the road when we get to the preview. But that I'm I'm very, very scared of this defense. They miss a field goal. They go for a two-point conversion that they maybe should or shouldn't have gone. That's also a debate. The only yeah. credit I can really give to Aaron Glenn is he's willing to, or he's finally willing to blitz. I think he's realized we cannot get home with four and I need to bring linebackers or corners or safeties. And he's starting to will he's he's getting he's getting to a point where he's willing to blitz. And that's cool because we finally sacked the quarterback. But you also leave yourself exposed. That happened on the Rashad White touchdown pass where we sent the house. He just dumps it over everyone's head and Rashad White still is running because there was one lion on the screen. So Yeah, but again, it was like it was still as much as they scare me because they just give up so many yards. Like, get, how many pass y- passing yards do you think Baker Mayfield had? Uh, probably three hundred plus. He had three hundred and fifty. It didn't really feel like it, but like they just gave up a like yards. They just give up a lot of yards on the run, especially early on. They were getting seven, eight, nine yards of carry. But I will say they get stops when they need to. They got stops in the fourth quarter. They turned the ball over on the last drive. Bake forced two picks from Baker. You could argue Mike didn't really force the first one. Mike Evans should have caught that. But uh, they, they they get plays done for the second week in a row, yes. bending and not breaking. And you do need that. Obviously, the San Francisco is going to be a different beast offensive-wise than they've seen in the first two weeks of the playoffs. But – if they can continue to bend and not break, that's exactly what they need to do to give the offense a chance to win. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about this game was uh, I, I saw a video this morning, and I think it was pointed out when we were watching it, how Todd Bowles didn't call timeout with 30 seconds left. I thought that's coach. I think that's coaching malpractice for him. I'm not going to say fire the guy, but that's a. You know what, if it's a regular season game and it's akin to, oh my God, the other team's up eight with 40 seconds left, let's just not foul them, I can kind of give you a pass. In the playoffs, when your season is over, if you lose this game and you just wave the white flag when you could still possibly get the ball back, that that to me is malpractice from Todd Bowles. So I didn't really necessarily get it. So would we have had to punt, basically? No, so we were at their 30, I believe, give or take. And we we took a couple of quick kneels. We didn't run the clock all the way down. I don't know why they didn't do that. First of all, because you're kill you're supposed to kill the clock. But right. it was it was third down. We snapped the ball. There's about thirty seconds left, and Tampa Bay still has a timeout. We knee it, and Bulls lets the clock run out. So it basically would have forced us to kick a field goal. And I understand the counterpoint. Oh, well, they just got to make the field goal and then the game's over. Why don't you ask the Packers how easy it is to make a field goal? Why don't you ask Tyler Bass how easy it is to make a field goal? Why don't you ask Chase McLaughlin earlier in the game how easy it is to make a field goal? To sit on that timeout and not force them to kick is stupid to me. And I'm very happy, believe it or not. He guaranteed us a win. Would it have been a high percent chance that A, the Lions miss a field goal, and B, the Buccaneers go 70 yards down the field in 30 seconds with no timeouts? Not in the slightest, but it would have been a chance. It's better than throwing the flag. So that to me was incredibly stupid from Todd Bowles. 
Yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say is for an outlook again, I don't want to say it was playing with the house's money because that division sucked and anybody had a shot to get there. Um, But definitely exceeded expectations for me, at least this Bucks team. Uh, I mean, they went nine and eight. You win a playoff game against the, against the Eagles. I don't know what you want to call the Eagles at this point. (laughs) Um, But Baker kind of has this resurgence here. I know Mike Evans is a free agent. They're kind of in a weird in between right now with their franchise. Um, I believe actually Baker is a free agent too. It was a one year deal. So I know Baker said that he wanted to stay and Mike Evans to stay. You're going to have to pay Baker probably 25 million. Oh, I think you might have to probably more. I was just, I think you might have to sit there and find yourself in a Daniel situation. If if you don't, if you don't franchise tag him, if if you don't franchise tag him, but if you're, if you're supposed to, if you're giving out a long-term contract, I don't see how you don't give Daniel Jones numbers. Yeah. And I think the Mike Evans thing at this point, like Tampa will, it's kind of up to him. Like Tampa will offer him what he wants, but it's his decision to either go to a better team, retire, which I don't think he will, um, or return. Agreed there. Uh, The one thing I do want to mention and that will be interesting with the Bucs is I am about 80% sure that they're in cap hell right now. I think and I think that was half the reason they were they signed Baker Mayfield was they could get him for cheap as yeah. a quarterback and they're like all right well we're not going to openly tank with Kyle Trask at quarterback but we're also not going and spending Geno Smith money so it, it's so funny that you say you bring Kyle Trask and that was a, that was the debate who's going to be the starter <laughs> that was debate. Come, come in this year and do what he did you know win a playoff game make the divisional round is impressive no absolutely yeah and. I, I I don't think Kyle Trask should have caught a stray there. I apologize if you're listening, Kyle. That's just kind of what happened. But you're a backup. Yeah. Uh, if if that, that. But that that that, that could be a discussion for another time. Bills Chiefs. Um, you want to start with this one? Yeah, I guess like they didn't disappoint again. Um, they just kind of it's pure. I saw it on Twitter. It's pure cinema when the, these two teams play. They don't lack their moments. Obviously, it ends the way it ends. But above all else, Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. He's Thanos. He's Thanos. He's he's Thanos. He's the new Tom Brady. He's spoiling these young kid quarterbacks' careers. He's doing the exact same thing Brady did to Drew Brees, to Ben Roethlisberger, to all these greats that you really don't hear about because they only got their one. Phillip Rivers? Phillip Rivers. He didn't even get a chance. He always lost to Brady. Yeah. Another one. Peyton Manning only got the one in, in, in Indianapolis. Uh, and I guess he got one in Denver, too. But for 15 to 25 years, Tom Brady did this. And we're looking at, you know, the past six years, Patrick Mahomes doing this in the AFC Championship again. Yeah, uh, he'll do crazy. it. He'll do it for another 10 years at least. Uh, he's going to do it with. This we're going to talk about the eras of like obviously the Randy Moss era in New England, and then you had the Julian Edelman era at, towards the end of in the Gronk era, uh, and now then you're going to talk about the Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill era, and then ten years from now he's going to have completely different guys that are in middle school right now, <laughs> that being a part of his greatness. Will he get six or seven and catch up to Brady? Who knows. They've got another chance to do it this year, but above all else, I'm just impressed that this guy 
squashes narratives too. Obviously, hadn't played a home uh, an away playoff game, goes into one of the tougher environments in the league and gets it done. Um, it helped having Jason Kelsey drink all the all the beers that the Buffalo fans wanted to drink. But uh, <laughs> yeah. what are you gonna do? Yeah, um, that was kind of another all time matchup, as you mentioned, pure box office cinema. I I think I'm just gonna make the comment right now. The Bills are kind of at this point where I think mentally they just know they can't beat the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I, I think they should fire McDermott, to be honest. Yeah, I mean. And it's but, not because he's done a bad job at, on at, on this team. It's just, he's just capped out. Simply, simply put, you like it, like you said, it's it's just, yeah, he, they've tapped him out. And it's just they need something to, like, yep. just change the mindset. Yep. No, it's similar to what the Lions were under Jim Caldwell. Sure, it might be better than what we had before, but it wasn't enough. Right. And obviously, as we've talked about, we talked about it with the Cowboys. It's not the quarterback who's going to get the blame, so it's got to fall on the coach. Um, yep. With with the said, though, we let's actually talk about the game itself. The game had a bit of everything, offense, defense, wild plays, good and bad decisions. Some of the wild plays um, and dumb decisions are – a fake punt on their own 30 oh, that God. was never even close. Um, and I think for the sake of storylines, it made it even kind of deeper that it was Jamar Hamlin who gets the ball. So what from what I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, the the punt team was designed so that the, if DeMar saw the look that they wanted, he could call it without it being called, and that's what he did. I, he I, saw the I, look and – Okay, so, that's what I heard is that he saw the look that he he's been told you can go off script if you see this mm-hmm. certain look, and he saw it, and obviously it was a thousand percent incorrect. <laughs> yeah, I I did not hear that. Um, maybe that's once again your backdoor sources that you got that you're hiding <laughs> from the rest of us. But no, and then then let's get to some of the wild plays. Three plays after that, or what felt like three plays, Kansas City gets hit with the worst rule in sports, where fumble through the end zone results in a touchback. Yeah. Um. But you had uh, Josh Allen just bombs that were a little overthrown, or in Stephon Diggs's case, in his hands, and he just let it go. Um, as we mentioned, Stephon Diggs, he looks toasted. He does yeah. not look like the same player we watched for the last five years. No. Um, how much of it is a physical thing, and just like he's getting older, so the skills have progressed, and how much of it was he mentally checked out because. We mentioned it last year. He has always been vocal when he doesn't get the ball, and he complained a lot at the end of last year. He had some – I don't think it was vocalized this year, but it it kind of looked like they were slowly phasing him out of the game plan as the season wore on. There was a lot more Khalil Shakir, a lot more Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox back from injury, James Cook, the dual threat run, pass catching. It was just like there was less ball for Stephon Diggs. And – I, I, I would assume he plays for a new team next season. Um, the Bills are kind of in a spot where something needs to change. And honestly, I don't even think get, getting rid of Stephon Diggs and drafting a new wide receiver is a big enough change because, as we mentioned it, you've capped out. You cannot beat the Chiefs. And yeah. you can't do it. You can't. Um, on the Chiefs' side, uh, you mentioned it kind of dispelled some narratives. I want to give some – I don't know if kudos is the right word, but – the offense, the receivers have eliminated or didn't drop any passes. I don't, I don't want to completely say eliminated because because Kadarius Tony didn't play. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a one game sample size is not enough to know if they've eliminated a tendency yet. But 
you eliminate the drops. Travis Kelsey, sensational game. He's back. I mean, I don't even I don't even want to say he's back because I don't think he ever left. It was just it was kind of what we talked about. I, I remember mentioning it about Patrick Mahomes last in the last summer where Travis Kelsey just became a victim of his own success. Travis Kelsey at his best is so much better than every other tight end in football that when he was not at his best, he was still right at the top with Laporta and Hawkinson before he got hurt. And we just magically think because it's not what we're used to seeing that he's suddenly washed. His washed is still better than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong, but it is like you do say it's not the same player. And when you you're 33, 34, whatever he is, that you go to the easily go to the assumption of like, well, is he is he losing a step here? Even if it's, you know, injuries, dating Taylor Swift, et cetera. Yeah. No, I'm. I mean, we we talk. I think uh, this wasn't necessarily a narrative because it's not like it's he hasn't been able to do it before. But in the first road game of Patrick Mahomes' career, he wins, does it in an hostile environment, six straight AFC title games. I mean, that, rem- do you remember the days where people used to joke how New England's season started in the AFC Championship? And it was just a, yeah. kind of an assumption they'd be there. That's what this is for this guy. Six years as a starter, six years in the AFC title game. Andy Reid, uh, we'll see how long he wants to keep doing it because he's a sensational coach. Um, defense helped out. On a day they weren't even that great. I would say the defense gave it a B-minus effort, but it was good enough. Yeah, no, I mean, the thing is, it's not a shame to say you gave up 24, maybe should have been 27 points to the Bills. The Bills are a good team. It's just, they can't get it done. There, there's yeah. something about them. Um and just yes, the Chiefs, man, they do it. You mentioned it. This was, like, above all else this year. This was the year where you said, I don't know about the Chiefs. I don't know about the Chiefs. They had their down year. They were a three seed this year. They needed help to be that three seed this year. Uh, they lost to the Jets. They lost to the Packers. They lost to the Broncos. Did they lose to the Jets? I think I just made that up. But – uh, anyways, they lost to the Packers and Broncos. I do know that. But this was the year where you said, I don't know. I don't know if they'll yep. get back there. And what did I, I kind of, in the back of my brain, I tried to emphasize this on the podcast that they were going to do this. They were going to, they were going to do everything in their power in the regular season to make you think they wouldn't be exactly where they are right now. And it's just Patrick Mahomes will always be there. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I don't, I, I, it's not this. I don't want to call it this because th- that, that's maybe an insult to the players. But it kind of looks like those Georgia teams that just get bored in the regular season because they know they've got bigger things to play for. Yeah, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the regular season this Chiefs team had. Um, yeah, I mean, Rasheed Rice continuing his kind of establishment as the wide receiver one there. Pacheco, probably my favorite runner in the league, which is how he stomps the ground as if it stole his lunch money every day growing up. So much fun to watch, Mister. I'm gonna fall forward, and there's nothing you can do about it. And they're moving on. So I don't have anything and else to Tyler, say about this. Do you season. think? Do you think uh, maybe the Bills should move on from Tyler Bass, who couldn't get it within 30 yards of the uprights when the game was on the line? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure this is Tyler Bass, a pretty reliable kicker. Yeah, I guess it's look. I, I, like I said with with the Todd Bowles discussion, making kicks in the playoffs is not easy. These guys who typically don't, who maybe maybe not have the the thickest of skins because they're kickers at the end of the day, no disrespect to the position, but I think that their game is so mental and when the pressure ramps up in the playoffs and you realize 
wait a minute, I'm only going to go out there three times, and each one of those is gargantuan and it's in your head. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's a fair assumption. If we start seeing him kicking seventy percent from the field, I say kicking from the field, but if he's, if his if his percentages drop to there, yeah, maybe you can start you can start having the discourse. But I think that's I think, I think one mistake. Someone's always got to be the villain whenever a team loses in the playoffs, and unfortunately, it was Tyler Bass this time. So I was listening to this hypothetical. Which one do you think would have actually been? Would you have rather lost if you were a Bills fan this way? where you basically miss the field goal and then they kneel it out? Or would you have rather he had made that and Patrick Mahomes goes down on you again with less <laughs> than two minutes left and beats you? Then um, they were try- I was listening to him. They were basically arguing they would have rather lose this way. And I think I slightly agree with that. I think it, I think it probably hurts less than, once again, having that dude come in there and rip your heart out on the very last drive. So I probably agree with them as well. Yeah, interesting, interesting hypothetical. Um, moving on to, I guess we can do our previews now. Yes, sir. Only two games left to talk about. There's only yep. three more football games for this podcast to talk about in the 2023 season. Yeah. Um, so let's start with Raiders Chiefs. Yeah, yep. it's the earlier game on Sunday. Um, I think it'll be an absolute war, as we <laughs> mentioned, as we've said so far. We have Thanos, the inevitable, against what was the best team in football. All year. All year. Um, this is the Lamar Jackson measuring stick game. This is the yep. one where people, if it doesn't go, if if the Chiefs end up in the Super Bowl again, the only you can't think anymore of Patrick Mahomes, and we already do. It, it you can't. So the only thing that can really happen from this game, in my opinion, is Lamar Jackson has a chance to kind of cement himself as a guy that is not just a great athlete at the position, but a genuinely great quarterback. This is the this is the game that people have made have kind of slandered him for and said, "Hey, you need to win this one." He gets to be at home for it. I don't know if you saw this. This is the first time the Ravens have ever hosted an AFC title game, which to me is a wow. shock because you you associate that team with winning and with heritage and with prestige. The fact they've never even hosted one to me was kind of crazy. I agree. Yeah, uh, but, that is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. I mean, we talked about storylines from the Kansas City game where the receivers look like they might have put the drops behind them. We've talked about Pacheco. We've talked about a, a good Kelsey. We know what the defense is. We kind of we kind of did the same thing where we mentioned the Ravens, where they're just – they just stomped the Texans, and maybe you didn't see as much from them. I know they activated Mark Andrews from injured reserve at the beginning of last week. He got some, he got some full practices in, but then ultimately didn't play. I've been kind of checking to see the injury reports. He's still listed as questionable. I know they're also missing Marlon Humphrey. We talked about you talked about that great secondary. So there is some players they're missing on the Kansas City side. I think it's kind of the same thing. Uh, All Pro uh, Joe Thune is questionable. I forget. I forget what his injury was. A partially torn something, but might have been bicep. But I think it's interesting because these two teams feel like they're not as healthy as the uh, the NFC teams are. Yeah. Um, I guess they're lucky that they get to play each other and they're both not healthy, but I, I don't really know what to say with this game. I don't, I'll, I'll turn it over to you and while you're talking, I'll kind of formulate what I want to do with my prediction. So give your thoughts. Yeah. I think it's, you, you go back and it's Mr. Inevitable versus again, the best team that 
in football all year? Do you believe at how elite this Ravens team has been? They beat up on the best. They've not only beat the best, but they have some resounding, dominating wins against the best teams in football. You look at the teams left. They beat the 49ers on Christmas Day by th- by 21 points. They beat the Lions 38 to three or whatever it was, 38 to seven uh, back in October. This team has done it week in and week out. You thought maybe Lamar would come in and look like Lamar in the playoffs. Seems like that's not the case. This, you mentioned also, this game for me, Lamar Jackson winning this game, he's a top three quarterback in football. He goes from probably what I would consider five to 11 range to he is right up there for me with Mr. Mahomes, Mr. Burrow, and it's Lamar Jackson right after that. Oh, um, I, I, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with where you're going to place him. I just think that's kind of a funny jump where if he loses this game, he could be as bad as 11, but if he wins it, he can be three. Okay, yeah, I don't know. He's <laughs> no, probably, I, I, I know what you're saying. He's probably like seven right now. No, numbers. yeah, I, I know what you're saying. This is one of those, this is one of those legacy games. We joke about it. Like you, you have the memes where it's like, oh, it's a Josh Reynolds legacy game. But for, for Lamar Jackson, it is. It's you, so interesting too, that Lamar Jackson could be a two-time MVP and when you think about this young quarterback AFC like battle that people talked about, you talked about Josh Allen and Joe Burrow because those are the guys that have been there against Patrick Mahomes. And then they people throw in Justin Herbert for some reason just because he's he is a good football player. They just haven't really been there. Lamar Jackson gets excluded from that conversation a lot when you talk about those young AFC quarterbacks, and he has a chance right now to prove that he is not only a part of that conversation, but he belongs at the top of that conversation. He belongs right up there with Patrick Mahomes. I I mean, I'm not going to call him better than Patrick Mahomes, even if they win. Uh, That would be asinine. I don't even think there's a debate that Patrick Mahomes (laughs) is the best quarterback in football. Um, I go back and forth with this one a lot. But the resounding factor that is going to play into my pick is that this – 2024 is the year of the Harbaugh. Give oh, me the no. Ravens. 34-24 Ravens. Interesting. So I'm going to try and make this pick, but I'm also going to leave it. I'm going to put an asterisk by it because I would want to be able to see what the injury reports are like because I do think that should the Ravens get their players back, I, I think it kind of changes things because Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers is great. Odell Beckham's great. Mark Andrews is the best playmaker on that team. Yeah. They've gone through the most of the season without him. So I, I feel like I reserve the right to be wrong here based on if things change. But I'm going to go with the tried and true. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I think they're going to walk in there. It'll be a hostile environment, but we know that doesn't face Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't care. We know they're able to do these things. They've got they've got the coaching. Um I'm going to go with the Chiefs, 27-21. Would that be four Super Bowl appearances in five yes. years? Uh, yeah. Maybe four and six. or four. I guess four and five because he um, – uh, Mahomes. The last year, not the year before. The year before that. And the year before that. And the year yeah. before that. Because yeah. um, I was going to say, I mean, the, the, the only years that they did make the Super Bowl was the first year where Brady beat him in Arrowhead right. when he was still kind of a rookie starter, quote-unquote. And then the Joe Burrow year two years ago. So, yep. yeah, that that'll be four and five. That's crazy, but I, I'm going with it. I it's it's tried and true. However, 
should Mark Andrews come back? Should Marlon Humphrey come back? I think that I I I am okay. I reserve the right to 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 have an accepted wrong answer there. That was a weak ass answer. I'm not gonna lie, but we'll accept it. I'm sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, the NFC Championship. Uh, the Lions open as a six and a half point underdog. They'll go to and play their first road game against the San Francisco 49ers, who on paper are the better football team. Um, however, and I said I wasn't going to read into the 49ers, not looking like the 49ers last week too much, but I am unfortunately going to do this. I think this is a very, very winnable game for the Lions. I think they'll have no problem scoring on the 49ers. I know they're a good defense. They got guys and big names all over the place. Even though Chase Young stinks, overrated one of the most overrated football players in the league. Um, I don't think they're going to have a problem running the ball. They need to do more of that. We can't have another Ben Johnson first half. I think if you want to have a chance, um, defensively is where I think everybody in the world should be scared because they have a lot of guys that are really good at football. Uh, especially if Debo is healthy. I'm not sure what the outlook on him is right they, now. They said 50-50, which is 50, coach 50. speak for nothing. Like that that's okay. a stu- that's a such a and granted it's it's Monday. Monday. Yeah. What what is he supposed to say? But they said 50-50 as things seem. I would be very, very, very worried. The one thing that makes me overreact, I think, a little bit with the 49ers is Brock Purdy not only looked bad. But it looked like Kyle Shanahan does not believe in Brock Purdy when when the game is on the line. Some of the play calls, especially in the first half towards the end, to me looked like he doesn't really have full trust in his guy. And I think that can hurt you in a big game like this. Um, And I know X's and O's, this guy's an offensive genius. He struggled with clock management stuff. Um and Big Dan has been great the past two games with managing the clock. So I think that'll become a factor. Uh, he does, also doesn't trust Jake Moody. Um, that could be a factor. We also don't trust our kicker uh, a little more deservedly so because the guy's 40% from 50 yards. I'm going to choose to play half glass full. I actually think at the very least they'll cover. I think this is going to be much closer than the general public thinks. I do not believe – and I've lost all faith in Brock Purdy if I'm a 49ers fan. Give me the Lions 31-28. Wow. Wow. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna start off right here. I'm gonna tell you what I think will happen. And then I I will tell you what I think could happen if the Lions or what I think needs to happen if the Lions want a chance to win this game. And based off that sentence right there, I think you'll know what I'm picking. I don't think we can beat the San Francisco 49ers on the road. Um I think the run game and the weapons are too much for us. I know Debo same as 50-50, but even without him, Ayuk, Kittle, uh, with, I think it's Juwan Jennings, who, although he's not some big-name player, he does seem to pop up with a couple crucial catches each game. So I I just think that all of the advantages that we've had this past or the, the past two games with that crowd suddenly go away, and now we can't have our linemen flutter their arms a little bit and suddenly gets quiet while we run our plays. Yeah. To the exact opposite. I mean, you look back at the Rams game where the, the Rams wasted two of their timeouts in the first quarter, effectively, or the third quarter, effectively, the second half. And now we have to start worrying about that stuff. We have to worry about our clock management, our timeout management. 
I think this um, we might be able to run the ball with them, and I hope we can because that that I mean we're not going to be able to win without them because if we're forced into passing, if we're playing from behind, that's when Nick Bosa can get loose. Um, we mentioned some injuries on our side. Jonah Jackson is almost certainly out of this game, and that's not good because he's very good when he's healthy. And the backup, I, I don't know if you saw the stat, in 18 pass attempts, Joe Jackson gave up zero pressures, and then he went out. And then in the next 28 passing attempts, I think, the backup gave up seven or eight pa- uh, uh, kind of pressures. We know what happens to golf under pressure. I, I just I just don't think there's enough talent on this team. And, I mean, we said it with the Texans, we said it with the other guys. That's not necessarily a bad thing. We've entered house money territory. Nobody thought we – I didn't think we could be here at the beginning of the season. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy every second of this game. I'm going to root like hell. But I I just think the four downers are too much for us. I will say if they want to win the game, what needs to happen is they have to be able to move the ball without these kind of – I'm trying to find a good – it almost kind of looked like the Texans against the Ravens where more often than not they couldn't move the ball and then they just got this one play that would go off for 20 yards. If, if our offense is going one-yard gain, one-yard gain, 20-yard gain, and then one-yard gain, one-yard gain punt, we're not going to do anything. It's got to be a steady, as we like to say, first and 10, second and six, third and two repeat. I think if you can somehow force the 49ers to have to play catch up and you mentioned them not trusting Purdy, I think there is some truth to that. Um, He is Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. If he was a great prospect and a great player and a great athlete, he would not have been the last player selected in a draft. I I think that one of the other things that needs to go our way, should we want to win this game is we have to be positive on the, in the turnover battle. You you yes. cannot you cannot give the 49ers more possessions than you get from them. You're gonna lose. Uh you gotta find a way, as we mentioned. You have to manage your timeouts. I think the other, the other thing is that I uh, I feel like has not been mentioned, and granted, we are only in Monday. It's been it's barely been 24 hours since we won the game, but Dan Campbell has not necessarily been Dan Gamble. He's he's no. kind of He's kind of gone with what you would expect him to do. Obviously, there's a couple of fourth downs, but those are at the one-yard line. It's not like he's going for a fourth and eight from the 40. I think that maybe that kind of returns because, as I've mentioned, we were better than the other two teams. So I think Dan was in a mode where it's like, don't beat yourself, make them beat you. Whereas when we're going to a San Francisco team, I think we could see some kind of some trickery, some some questionable calls and some stuff that make us want to pull our hair out. Yeah, I could see it. I, it would, that would frustrate me because I've been happy with this kind of um, controlled aggressiveness is what I would co- have called his play calling so or decision making so far uh, these first two playoff games. I don't really – I just don't think you have to be someone else um, to win this game. I really don't. I, obviously, on paper, you're definitely not the better team. But you stick to what's worked, and you're going to be in it at the end, I think. Even the way they've played these first two playoff games, I really do think they'll be in it at the end. Yeah. Um, so I will – my prediction is San Francisco 
34, the Detroit Lions, 28, and San Francisco moves on to the Super Bowl with a rematch against the Chiefs for that shortcoming that they had, was it, three, four years ago now when Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't get the job done. All right. Hopefully you're wrong and I'm right. I, I would love to – please, I would love to be wrong, and that's what's going to make this game so much more fun for me is I get to enjoy it. I get to sit here and think to myself, you know what? Why don't you go out there and have a day? I'm going to wake up next Sunday, and I'm going to feel like a million dollars. I'm going to I'm gonna come up with some crazy storylines in my head for how it might be able to happen. I just – when I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it rationally, I don't see how we do it. It's just like you're – like. I don't know. You, you. There's a certain extent of me that's like, yeah, it's playing with the house's money at this point. I don't think we expected to quite be this far, but at the same time, it's going to hurt so much to get this far and be so, so close to a Super Bowl and just not get it done and just know you're not there and know that you, you know 49ers aren't going anywhere. That the Cowboys aren't going to be good again next year that the Packers somehow aren't going to need any rebuilding time, that they're just ready to go like year after year, mm-hmm. uh, that the Bears are going to be getting a franchise quarterback in this draft, maybe if Caleb Williams wants to change his mind about playing for the Bears. Uh, I don't think Caleb ever said he didn't want to play with the Bears. I thought that was a, I thought that was a joke account that said that. Oh, okay. Then good. Uh, well, then never mind. I don't know. It's just like it feels like – Maybe this is like all me in my head, but it feels like our window doesn't seem as long as it did this off season. And maybe that's just the pressure of being here and wanting it now. But uh, it just feels like we got to get it done now. And I agree with that. I, I mean, I vented about it when they didn't make trades at the deadline. It's like next year's not guaranteed. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen. And we'll we'll see what they do. I'm incredibly excited for this game. Um. Go Lions, I guess. Go Lions, baby. Should be a fun one.